Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and joining me today is football analyst Jordan Weimer and football journalist Tom Burdell. Yes, he's back. Uh, Tom, how have you been? Uh, yeah, not too bad at all. Enjoyed my Easter weekend. Probably didn't miss a lot by the looks of it and the sounds of it from the Sheffield Wednesday game. Yeah, not bad really for Watford, was it? Uh, four points out of out of six for the for the Easter weekend. Uh, obviously, the win against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, the game against Middlesbrough, though, we thought it would be a bit tougher, and so it proved. 1-1, it finished in the end. Um, how did you find it, Jordan? Yeah, just before we get started on that, actually, I, th- I thought we should just mention real quick. Um, we did get April Fool's <laughs> last week or the week before. So in, in regards to Chris Wilder and... Frank Lampard, that was a mistake on our on our behalf or Tom's behalf. Um, and <laughs> oh, you're taking him out, are you? It was Tom. Tom did it. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. I sent it to you. <laughs> if there's one thing we if there's, if there's one thing we do on this podcast, we're always <laughs> we're always very open to owning up to Tom's mistakes. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, just I get that out in front because I got a couple of messages now, and yeah, that was a mistake. Although. Somewhat a, fee- a reasonably feasible idea, so I can see. Entirely believable. It was a good, a rare good April Fools. I think it should be said. Well, it it's good, but at the same time, it's not good because, like, what what's the reward? It's not even that far fetched. <laughs> so I don't know. I have sympathy. I have sympathy for Tom in this situation, but it's entirely his fault. Um, <laughs> to be <laughs> to kidding. be fair, we did we did say at the time that we thought it was. Um... It was unlikely that either of those two would be would be linked with the club because what Watford are never linked with English managers. So you know, I mean, when Nigel Pearson turned up, we were like, "What, really? An, an English guy? Are you sure, Mister Pozzo?" Or... It was strange. It was strange. <laughs> Do you know what? the other thing as well? The Times are usually pretty good on their Watford stuff. Is it Jason Burt that works for the Times, and he or somebody else, somebody else? Anyway, whoever it is. They're usually pretty good, so even that made it seem more believable well, to me. It's so. funny, my initial thought when I couldn't find the article, I thought, oh no, has Tom spoken to a journalist that's kind of said this to him, and you've just like said it before a report's actually come out. <laughs> couldn't be more the opposite, but <laughs> anyway, no, sorry, didn't no, mean to distract no from, the, from the point of hand there, but I just thought I would get out in front of that. Um, 
No, we should we should get it out. Always enjoy. It so that's Always to clarify enjoy, that uh, the Times have not said that they that they categorically think that Zisco as uh, is is going at the end of the season. I mean, it's not to say that he 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 may not he may not go. I mean, we've we've seen what Watford have done in the past with Yukanovic, but uh, but yeah, uh, forget everything that we said about that. It, uh, we were April fooled. Um, Tom was April fooled, and uh, and sorry, now you've all been April fooled as well. But uh, yeah. at, at Tom Bedell, if you want to talk to him about that, so. <laughs> Right, so let's okay, get that so in off our on. face and back to the uh, back to the question, Jordan. Um, how did Watford play against Reading? Uh, I thought we were off the pace again a little bit. I, I think similar to Sheffield Wednesday, we didn't quite quite reach the levels of a performance that we have done in in recent weeks prior to the international break, and we just didn't really get going to to what the level we needed to. I think Middlesbrough are a better team than Sheffield Wednesday, and I thought they caused us quite a few problems. I thought they were quite good and quite comfortable in their shape. I don't think we did enough to really break them down. And then, obviously, as we all know, if you're kind of in that narrow lead, at any point it could it could change and it happened in the last 10 minutes. And I just don't think we reacted quick enough to, to what Middlesbrough were doing to stop us. Yeah, I think so. It, was, it wasn't the kind of swashbuckling best of Watford, was it, in, in recent weeks? Obviously, I say, didn't watch the Sheffield Wednesday game, saw the highlights since and didn't feel like it was our most joined up performance and I, I think it was similar at Borough it was one that it was a weird game in so much as I, I wrote down I feel like we've simultaneously uh, been robbed but it was also a fair result because I don't think we did enough to win it but when you think the goal uh, that Yannick Balassi scored was their only attempt on target and Daniel Batman didn't have another save to make you do feel a little bit uh, miffed I think don't you but you know the chart, the the shots that we had, the attempts that we had on goal, save I think for uh, Joao Pedro's one in the second half, which sort of just wrapped just wide of the far post, were pretty you know meh chances, and the possession was pretty sterile at times. I thought there was a lot of sort of just you know back and forward and sideways or sideways rather than back and forward, I suppose, and you know it didn't feel like we were really certainly at one nil. It didn't feel like we were desperate to go for a killer second and obviously that's cost us but I think you know we've been on such a good run that maybe there's a bit of expectation resetting to be done we can't win every game it's championship Middlesbrough are not a bad side they are just outside the playoffs they've got you know a reason to need to win games and and, and pick up points at this stage of the season so um, all in all it's it's a good point and and given obviously what happened with Swansea later uh, in the day, it's a very good point, and now we hope that uh, Birmingham can do us a favour again tonight on on uh, on Tuesday evening when they play Brentford. I think one thing we can't we can't miss un- we can't underestimate is how how good Middlesbrough were. I think Absolutely. it's easy to kind of overlook that in a sense because they weren't the most eye catching in terms of their performance, but they were well coached and and they executed a plan to stop us and they, they really did look to stop that right-hand side. They, they packed numbers over there and they took the risk to kind of close that down and we didn't look for alternatives. We kept trying that right and it, it wasn't it wasn't effective. Uh, Neil Warnock, I think, won the coaching battle. I think this game, to me, I think the points dropped. We, we lost that from the sideline. I, I don't think the, the players performed at the level they could. So that, that obviously plays a part. But having said that, I think we had to react earlier. Instead, we kind of just let... We let Warnock dominate that game in the sense that he was making, he was being proactive and, and looking to stop us. We weren't looking for ways around it, which I think hurt us in the end. Um, I know we tried to make a substitution with success, but again, we we didn't really look to change things. 
And if you're not going to do that in, in a game like that, then you're going to you're going to drop points because ultimately we're going to have to be a little bit more proactive in those situations because the, the margins are so fine. A one nil can can change into a dropping of two points or possibly three points in a matter of minutes. So we've got to be a little bit more switched on in those situations and more aggressive. I think. Ismaili Sarr scoring his tenth uh, goal of the season. He's now the the, the top goal scorer for Watford. You know, it, it doesn't feel like he's uh, he's scored that many. He's, he's very quietly gone about his business this season, hasn't he? To be fair, he didn't know a lot about the goal that he scored yesterday. It, it should really go down more as a, a Philip Zinchenko goal than anything. But um, it did touch Ismaili Sarr. He was onside, and and um, you know, ten goals for the season now. It's not bad. Great finish, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I, I just think off the top of my head, and I haven't got the numbers up to even to even kind of. Actually, make sure I'm right on this. But as you say, there he's kind of gone about it almost a little bit quietly. It kind of almost feels like he hasn't scored ten. But I'm just thinking, there's, I feel like the goals he has scored have been quite important goals in terms of he hasn't been scoring goals and we've been racking up the the numbers and then kind of big high scoring games. It feels like often it's been a, a goal that actually results in an extra point or, or two, which is something worth noting. I think he often scores in those important moments. Having said that, obviously yesterday was complete luck. Um, but it, it does feel like he's spread them goals around quite nicely for us. He's, you're absolutely right, Jordan. If you take them one by one against Wickham, he scored the opener, ultimately got us a point. Stoke and Coventry in back-to-back games, he got very late winners. Got the, the winner against Norwich on Boxing Day. Uh, scored the second, was so proved to be the winner against Stoke. Uh, all right, he's got two against Bristol City. Uh, scored. Who didn't? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think you and I scored that day, didn't we? Um, scored in a 3-2 win over Blackburn. All right, got one against Rotherham in a comfortable win and then obviously earned us a point against Borough. So if you totted that little lot up, I suspect that would quite, you know, come out as quite a, a decent little individual points hole, as it were. So, yeah, it's a really so is that good seven, point. So is that seven goals resulting in points there? Is that seven out of ten? Is that uh, yes, I think it was. One... Uh, I think about three, you could say, probably didn't result in points. So eight out of a, oh yeah, yeah seven so, out I mean, of ten. Yeah, sorry, also, maths. Yeah, so that's that's worth. I mean, if you, you also have to take these sorts of things into account when you're looking at the likes of you know, if you're comparing players to say Ivan Tony, who's who's got obviously a massive record this season. If you have to kind of look a lot sometimes at how how them goals kind of relate to points too which is quite an interesting way of looking at it because yes you might have you might have them high scoring players but how many of them goals are important goals because there's, there's extra value in that and obviously you know goals kind of change the game and if you've got a two goal lead maybe it it gives you that little bit more comfort it does change the game but there is some there is some relevance to looking at the fact of of what goals mean and for Ishmael Asari he's definitely a player that scored important ones as Tom's just pointed out there John, to come back to something you said earlier, you were, you were talking um, about Middlesbrough and, and you did a, quite a bit of research on, on them and you said that they, you know, they executed their plan very well. Did Watford, um, in your opinion, play to the best of their ability or do you think they were, they were a little bit lacking? I thought they were lacking, but I mean, yeah, I think the performance was lacking for the players. But for me, the, the biggest takeaway was that we were lacking in adjustment. Um, I think we, we could see from very early on how Middlesbrough were planning to contain us. And we didn't do enough to to find other avenues to, towards goal, and which is frustrating because we have the quality to do so. Our left hand side isn't as good as our right hand side, but Ken Semmer's a good player. Jao Pedro is able to to drift into some different positions, and he can help out the left hand side. And we've also seen Philip Zinkin able to support that. So it's a shame we didn't look to kind of go down that route, or even play a little bit more centrally at times. 
I understand that we've kind of got into a habit of playing on that right-hand side because it's so strong. Um, but it was clear yesterday that Middlesbrough weren't allowing us to do so. Um, and sometimes you might be able to... If some of those teams are trying to stop that and you'll be able to just decide that you've got the better players, you're going to go for it anyway and eventually you're going to have that breakthrough. But Middlesbrough are putting numbers on Saar and, and Kiko and there's only so many players that they can beat it's not going to be easy to get a ball into the box. It's not going to be easy to kind of get in those one-on-one isolated situations. So we didn't do enough to change that and that's going to hurt you and it's going to it's going to slow things down. And maybe we kind of went along with it because we were 1-0 up and we were somewhat coasting, but that's a dangerous game to play and I think we I think we took a gamble. I think we lost it. Joe Pedro, you mentioned there, he had uh, quite a few opportunities, uh, particularly in that second half. To be honest, I was surprised that uh, he even featured because I, I was certain that he was going to be uh, rested because he picked up that injury. But um, he, he was he was in the squad and um, he probably could consider himself um, unlucky to have not uh, not scored at least one yesterday. Yeah, he had some he had some chances, didn't he? I thought uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh, but I didn't necessarily think he was at his best. There are a few instances where he seemed to do slightly careless things when in possession certainly um, one instance of kind of trying to get the ball under control and it just seemingly bouncing off him um, and yeah I, yeah I just didn't feel like he was his most effective and I mean those chances the, the one that I referenced a second ago that sort of bent wider the far post was you know he made kind of more of it than maybe uh, someone else would have but the other chances I mean they weren't you know particularly great chances high value chances were there and I think that was you know not necessarily criticism of him but indicative of us and our sort of struggles to create good chances um, all day long I thought he was just a bit loose in his touch and he wasn't quite on his best I thought it was one of his one of his worst games for us in that central role Um, his movement was, was decent but he he wasn't able to get the ball under control in, in, in the manner that we're used to seeing him do. And I think he just struggled to, to really kind of play up to the speed. It might have been injury related. It could have, it could have possibly been. Or we might have just had an off day. I don't think it's anything that's too big of a concern. But he he wasn't at his best yesterday. Um, I think he had that chance. We kind of hit across goal and wasn't able to kind of wrap his foot around it enough and just went wide of the post. I think that was probably his best opportunity. Um, yeah, wasn't a good day for Pedro. But having said that, he's he's been excellent all season, really, and it's just I think you can chalk this down to a one-off, maybe not quite up to full fitness, and hopefully come Friday, I'd, I'd still like to see him in there and, and looking to go again. Do you think that was Zisco's error, not um, not not putting success in there, or, or Gray perhaps knowing that um, that you know Pedro had picked up that injury on Friday? No, I think I think if you if you get the good if you get the go ahead from the medical staff and if if Pedro feels good enough, I think that every one of these players in the pitch is playing injured at this stage of the season. There's not a single person that hasn't got something on that pitch that's that's causing them some issues. Um, so I think with Pedro's level of performance, if if he's feeling like he's okay to go, if he, even if he's having to push through a little bit, you trust that and you, you give it a go at this stage because these games are all important. I think Pedro's your best option. It didn't pay off. Maybe they kind of misjudged that situation, but I'd rather take that gamble than be safe and, and drop the quality in the starter um, and you know kind of not try that out. I'd rather see us going for it. As long as it's obviously relatively safe to do so, I wouldn't want to play a player that's risking severe injury. But he had the knock on his ankle, and I'm sure it's sore, but... You know, I'm sure he had some some painkillers and and try to kind of play through it a little bit. 
then you know I, I don't mind my players doing that. And I think given the situation, it was the right thing to do. It's just unfortunate if it did have a negative effect on the player on, on the day. It didn't quite work out as planned. So in that regard, I wouldn't criticise uh, Shishko or the coaching staff there, or even Pedro, because of course Pedro is going to want to play in what is a big game, as, as they all are now. It was 12 minutes uh, left to go when Middlesbrough managed to get the equaliser. Um, it was another goal that, that we conceded from a set piece. This time, uh, as you mentioned, Eddie Yannick Balassi getting on the end of it to even things up. Is, is defending set pieces becoming a, a, a bit of an issue for Watford at the minute? I don't know. I, I must admit, I don't know if it's an issue, but it does seem to be a recurring thing that when you watch these goals back that we concede, and, and yesterday was another example of this, uh, it just feels that a lot of them are avoidable, doesn't it? Um, you know, when you watch, uh, it just gets completely the wrong side of Truce de Kong and someone else, I can't remember who it was, and you just think, Oh, nine times out of ten we do probably deal with that but when one goes in like that and I guess all goals obviously derive from mistakes on some level but when one like that goes in when you have been fairly untroubled you do it's hard not to be frustrated isn't it and a little bit um, you know put out that two points have been allowed to slip so easily through your fingers um, is it a wider problem I don't know maybe that's something Jordan can answer from a more sort of analytical and tactical point of view but um it, it probably isn't a coincidence that we've conceded a few from set pieces now either. I don't think it's an issue for me, really. I mean, I think any team, no matter who, what team you are, if you concede a set piece goal, generally you could be looking at some some mistakes there because it is that kind of it's a much different situation to the rest of the game, isn't it? You have you have that time to set up and you've got opportunity to kind of get in position, but then the opposition are trying to find ways to to score, aren't they? So. Generally, if there's a goal going in, it's there's always some element of the team that concedes of making a mistake or not reacting to the opposition. So they're always frustrating goals to concede. Um, I think for me, the, the bigger problem in that situation by far is the free kicks we're giving away in those areas. Um, Ken Semmer gave away a couple of free kicks on that on that side of the pitch, just outside the box, which is really, really poor game management from the players. That's got to be better. Um, Ken Semmer's an experienced player. He shouldn't be giving away free kicks there, um, especially when... Middlesbrough are playing for them so easily. It's you know Ken Semmer's the wrong side. Short, you know they're shielding the ball and they're, they're winning the cheap free kick, and that's the costly situation. It was only a few moments before that Paddy McNair was in exactly the same position trying to swing the ball in. So you know the, the more you allow, the, the the higher the chance of you conceding one is. I don't think we were great defending it, um, but it, again, it's an awkward situation because you can't. It is very common now to see them free kicks where the defensive line will try and stay quite high and try and get a lot of space between the goalkeeper and the and the, the ball coming in the box, make them play that ball quite short so you can keep yourself as far away from the goal as possible. But at that point of that, that area of the pitch, you're forced into defending almost on your own penalty spot, which is always going to be a nightmare for your goalkeeper and a nightmare for your defenders. Um, and it was a good ball in. So we didn't react and we, we didn't clear it away. But I think for the most part this season, we've done a, we've done a better job of actually dealing with those situations. I think the inclusion of Trusta Kong and Syriata into centre-back gives us a little bit more aerial dominance there. And we've done a, we've done a pretty good job of avoiding too many issues. Um, for me, it's just giving away the, the, the actual free kick opportunity in the first place, which is something which is far more avoidable because ultimately, sometimes you're going to have some good balls in the box and sometimes the opposition will be quite well well worked and finding space and they're going to score goals which happens but the one thing that is completely avoidable is the free kicks 
And how would you how would you combat that, Jordan? Do you, do you think that's uh, just something that they need to be coached on more? Or? It's just football intelligence. I mean, some situations, sometimes you have to make a tackle. Sometimes it's going to be some trickery from the winger that's going to earn a free kick. And those things happen. So you have to accept that some some parts of the game are going to result in a free kick and it might be in a dangerous area. That happens. But there are certain situations where if you, if you have an opposition player that's goal side, or facing away from from the goal that's maybe kind of facing towards the sideline as it was in the situation when we conceded the free kick and you're behind, there's no need to try and make a challenge because you know that a player, that especially in a team, especially in a game, the situation it currently was, you know they're going to be looking for them free kicks and them opportunities. It's a good opportunity for them to create a goal-scoring chance. They weren't being particularly creative in that game. Set pieces were always going to be a, a big opportunity for them and that's something we should know before the game too that they, they like to work on them attacking set pieces. Paddy McNair's got a good delivery so that's got to be drilled into the players you've got to have a full understanding of let's try and be smart in those situations he's not going anywhere we don't need to make a challenge from behind and even if it's very soft which most of the time it is very soft because these players are going to go down easily we know how it works especially a winger they should have just as much understanding because they do it down the other end themselves so to kind of put that pressure on and and be that tight and try and make a challenge it's just unnecessary and it hurts your team in the long run and don't be wrong, Ken Sam has been great for us this season. I'm not trying to overly criticise him specifically, but it's a wider issue with players in general. If you've got a situation, if you've got a player in that situation, you don't need to make a challenge. You don't need to give away the free kick because it's going to give, it's going to cost you a goal eventually. And one goal can be the difference between promotion and not at this stage of the season. So let's just be smart and avoid the avoidable situations. And, um, and you know, we're going to concede goals, but I want it to be from from a much less from not so much of a cheap situation because we don't have to do that and we should be better than that. So Watford, uh, probably that will go down as a, a slight slip, uh, the missed opportunity to to get all three points. But uh, another team that's missed an opportunity is Swansea. They failed to take advantage of, of Watford's uh, little slip there by losing uh, 1-0 to Preston North End. So that means Watford now 10 points ahead of the Swans. Uh, I, th- I think, guys, their hopes of automatic promotion are dwindling pretty fast, if not gone already. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think uh, with the the game tonight, obviously, w- which we kind of can't talk too much about, but, but Brentford uh, do seem to be, although they've had a little bit of wobble, obviously, and he drew against Huddersfield on Saturday. I think they're in they're in far better nick overall, aren't they? And, and Swansea now four defeats in a row. No goal, I think I saw over the weekend in something like 447 minutes, uh, which is which is pretty concerning. And it, you know, it's every team has a wobble uh, throughout the season, don't they? I think ours was probably in that kind of end of Ivic, early-ish days of um, Munoz, but uh, that kind of period. But uh, you know, theirs has come at, at the worst possible time, really, hasn't it? And uh, well, from their point of view, from our point of view, I'm thrilled and, and long may it continue. But uh, it does, yeah, no goal in four games and, and, and four defeats on the bounce. It's not looking good. I think Swansea are exactly what we expect them to be. They're, they're overperforming massively. They had been. And now the kind of performance is starting to catch up in terms of results. I think where Brentford might be kind of treading water and trying to keep their head above, I think Swansea have got a got an anchor tied around their leg and they're going down fast I think they're actually probably looking down at the other end of the table now or not the other end of the table sorry but the, <laughs> that's uh, a bit dramatic <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they're not mathematically safe yet Matt so um, 
no, the uh, the playoff positions could be something they slip out of on the form they're on, certainly. And the performance levels would indicate that you know they could easily do that. I think you're looking at some of the teams we played recently. The likes of Middlesbrough, I look at as a as a better team than Swansea, um, in a, in a lot of lot of ways. So for them, it's 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 extremely difficult. For Brentford, I think they're they're in quite a difficult period too. Um, they're not playing they're not playing the best football, and they've got some big issues. They've got some injury concerns, which have well definite misses in terms of injury which have affected them pretty heavily and they've not really kind of found a way around that so they're not firing on all cylinders by any means right now um i did a i did a podcast yesterday actually with uh b's tactical podcast um with david anderson friend of the show and uh he, he was kind of describing their situation and and where they are and he's not in, at all confident in in brentford being able to catch up with us despite any sort of dropping of points we've had uh, against Middlesbrough um, there's a lot of concern there and I think with us kind of looking at, at Birmingham quite recently and, and seeing how they're reacting under Bowyer there's, there's by no means an easy three points them coming up against Birmingham tonight either so it would not be at all surprising to me if Birmingham came away with a point if not three from tonight it's entirely possible um, as I said this is not a Brentford team that's firing on, on, on the all cylinders like we've seen in previous years they've got a lot of players missing a lot of important players missing and they're struggling to really kind of adapt to that. And they're not playing that football to the same same level of production that we've been used to seeing over recent years. They're not in a good t- uh, good patch. And all we really have to keep doing is just staying ahead. Um, and I think if they were to drop, if they were to have one more loss now, if we can keep churning, I, I think that's that's probably enough for us. So if they were to come away from Birmingham with nothing tonight, then that game on Reading, I think, becomes even bigger than it currently is right now. Well, you mentioned it there, Jordan. The next game up is Watford versus Reading on Friday night uh, at home as well. So uh, a big advantage there because Watford have been playing better at home uh, all season compared to the way. Although, to be honest, they've, they've really improved their away performances, haven't they? But um, they're back at home, uh, more familiar for them. And, and it, it's probably going to be a, a bit of a test as well because the Royals beat Derby County 3-1 yesterday to climb into sixth. They're a team that's looking to try and cement themselves a playoff place. They want to grab that. And, and you know, they're um they're a decent side, Reading, who have been around the top end of the table all season. I think this is a really interesting game. We obviously lost at their place earlier in the season, uh, didn't we, when we are still sort of trying to find our feet very early on. And they were obviously in the middle of a red-hot patch um, at that stage, I think they won eight and drew one of their first nine. They're obviously the, the very early leaders. A couple of players that have got into double figures, Yaku Meite and, and George Puskas. Uh, you know, the players behind the main striker, Michael Elise and Ovi Ajari, are both excellent players, um, probably bound for, for bigger things than Reading in the long run, particularly Elise, you, you would say, who's obviously won a lot of plaudits this season and even. Sort of behind him down the down the left hand side, Omar Richards is a very decent uh, fullback, um, decent going forward, but also defensively, I think he's made more tackles than anyone else in the Championship this season, and he's going to join Bayern Munich in the summer. So, um, I think earlier in the season there was a bit of a surprise, wasn't there, that they were they were doing as well as they were, and you you quite often get this where a team starts very well and and, and falls away. I think over the course of the season perhaps it's been proven that they are actually a decent side um you know some of their kind of uh underlying numbers that kind of match that up they are over performing ever so slightly against their xg but it's not a you know it's not a, a dramatic thing the thing i was going to mention was no one has attempted or completed more dribbles this season and i think 
that is quite unsurprising when you look at that those three kind of attackers um, behind George Puskas that you know they are they're ball carrying players it's going to be very interesting to see how we kind of fare up against up against uh, those particularly uh, you know the the fullbacks I'm thinking are they are they equipped to deal with people running at them I don't know necessarily so yeah I think this is a this is a this is a real big test and the, the first obviously of, of several in the remaining weeks of the season. I think in regards to Reading, I think they are, they're kind of what you kind of expect in some ways. They're reasonably well-rounded. They don't particularly excel at either end of the pitch for me. Um, they're quite, they're quite a kind of relatively simple 4-2-3-1 setup most of the time. They're, they can be quite flexible within that, but I don't think they're, I don't think they're a team that we we can't we can't come away with three points from. I think we could be quite confident in this game if we play at the levels we're capable of. Um, there are weaknesses in this Reading team, and I, I think they'll be coming into this game looking to probably settle on the point. I don't think they could be overly aggressive, so it's one that I'll, I'll definitely cover as as we get close to the game. But um, I think there's definitely there's definitely reason to be positive about this one I think yeah absolutely something else that uh, could be a positive is that Tom Cleverley we believe is is going to be fit enough to take part in this game if selected um, how important could he be coming back into this team you know right at a point where Watford really need leadership to try and see them through these these final six fixtures to, to hopefully clinch an automatic place I don't know if we've missed him I don't feel like we've missed him as much as I thought we might. Uh, and that's not to say he isn't an, isn't an important player because you know, he really is and we talked about it at the time. But I think the kind of... Although he's evidently a very different player and central midfield isn't his out-and-out role, uh, you know, the job that Philip Zinkenagel has done in, in there... Uh, almost as that... The closest thing to Cleverly in terms of being maybe a bit more attack-minded and being the one from midfield to kind of break forward and try and get in the box and so on. You know, I think we've we've kind of gotten by quite well without Cleverly, albeit Cleverly is, say, totally different player, actually a central midfielder, different skill set and so on. Um, you know, we, we I, I think we have coped quite well, but having him back is a nice, nice little bonus, isn't it? As you say, the leadership uh, side of things, Matt, and really sort of setting the standards and so on. And he is, a, you know, as Ben Foster calls him a, a little rat he does really just rat around and disrupt things and kind of so on so that sort that side of things uh you know can never have too many of them i do think in regards to cleverly i think the fixture list has helped out um in that in that regards as philip zinkenagel is that creative midfielder which obviously suits herself to playing lower table opposition i think where cleverly we really see his benefit is when you look at the games where we're having to play opposition that want to dominate the ball a little bit more um, teams like Brentford, Norwich that build up from that that deeper central midfield area having Tom Cleverley in there to disrupt that that can kill their game plan almost completely their offensive game plan so Tom Cleverley is a, is a weapon to use in those situations I think um, I would personally definitely want Tom Cleverley starting against both of those teams um, because he can, he can ruin things for them um, if you have that kind of deeper build up play as both of those sides do and you've got someone like Tom Cleverley, as you as you say, Matt, uh, as you say, Tom ratting around, then it makes it very difficult to kind of control that ball and start that build up from deep. 
So I think in those situations he'll be vital. Um, Zinchenko's definitely been he's been great in, in a lot of a lot of the games he's played in that central area. But he has got that creative role, um, and we might be looking for something a little bit different in certain situations. But that's, at this point in the season, that's exactly what we need: is we need to have variety of options and, and ways to attack teams and and stop teams kind of getting at us in, in different ways. And Tom cleverly offers that a lot, uh, as well as the other intangibles that we we all know that he brings. And uh, as we saw earlier from uh, from the club uh, putting out a, a video of Tom Delhi, he's also on the mend. Uh, he's not going to be probably ready until right at the end of of the season. He might not even be ready enough to to, to take part in the last in the last game. But um, it would be a, a really great achievement for him if he could if he could come back and feature somewhat in in that in that final fixture. It will be nice to have him back. I have to admit. I've not seen a lot of Tom Deli Bashiru, if I'm honest. Um, I, I have to admit, I wonder if his injury has rather wrecked his great chance at Watford. In so much as if we are to go up, and I am at this point, as I said to you guys on Saturday, about 80% confident we'll go up now. Um, he's, he's not going to play, I don't think. I don't believe he will play because they will sign. You know, I think if we go up, they will do, and I hate to be running away with ourselves, but I think they will probably do what they did last time and sign, you know, more experienced, battle-hardened players. Uh, we went up and we got Kapu and Barami straight away and really stiffened up that midfield, didn't we, in 2015. I suspect they will probably do something similar this time, albeit we've got Chalabar and Hughes and Cleverly uh, there and Gosling there already. Um and then I almost think, you know, he's missed his opportunity. You can see him perhaps going out alone. And, you know, this is not to assume that he will never improve as a player and, and reach a higher level because, I'm sure, you know, he's evidently got potential. But I, I just worry for him in that respect that his time was probably now to get 20-plus games in for us this season. And that bad injury, was it? It was at Reading, wasn't it? Ironically, as we preview Reading. Yes. Um you know, just came. If he'd have done it last season, no one had batted an eyelid. But this season, he was going to play, and yeah, just potentially a little bit cruel. Potentially, I'm doing him a disservice. I hope I am because I love his name, and he, in the little flashes that he has played, people seem to get excited about him. <laughs> Tom. It's not because he's called Tom. It just it just sounds really nice. When he's like, Tom Deli Bashiru. It just sounds really nice. It just sort of. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I'm yeah. weird and sad. It just sounds really nice. There you go. Analysis. I like all the players that are called Matt as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just best players on the pitch. Cleverly and Bashir every time in the field. Um, yeah, no, I think I think Tom Day Bashir is is definitely unfortunate. I think you're, you're right in, in a lot of ways. This 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 is the time for him to kind of push his way into that team, and then if we did go up and he was a big part of that team, you'd feel pretty confident he could go into the next season and be involved. I do still think there's there's perhaps enough of a player in there that's been seen by the by the kind of higher-ups of the club to, to feel that he warrants an opportunity in the Premier League. I, I think he does um, in a lot of ways. I think if he had been fit, I think he would have been a key part of this midfield at this point of the season, especially after, after Kapu left. I think he's... I think he's probably our most versatile midfielder in the sense that he's he moves really well. He's an intelligent footballer. He's really good in possession. 
Um, I think in a three-man midfield, I thought he was perfect. He would have been perfect for that. So I think he would have been a, a real asset for us this season. Um, and obviously, we've definitely negated the need for the likes of Carlos Sanchez coming in. Um, we wouldn't have needed the, the same depth. Um, in terms of prospects, he's one of my favourites in, in, in who I think could actually perform and, and be some sort of asset for us in the future, even if that is in the Premier League. So I'd like to see him stay around uh, as long as he was able to get enough minutes. If he's definitely not going to get the minutes, then by all means, um, give him a loan. But I, I do think he's definitely got the ability to to press the, those around him if he has a full pre-season. And if you if you are looking at all all players fairly over the summer, then there's no reason why he couldn't push his way in there because even some of the seniors could be pushed out because of what we have in Tom Dilly Bashiru. In terms of um, who Watford could sign, and, and this is probably going to be a question we're going to say for uh, for post-championship uh, season. But um, someone who's been making a bit of noise, or rather maybe fans have been making noise about this about this player is uh, some, is Ashley Young, uh, who, who has said on a couple of occasions in different interviews that he'd be interested in coming back to, to finish his career at Watford. Um, and uh, I thought I might bring that question up now just to, just to find out what your opinion of that would be, guys. I think it's a better signing in the Championship. Um, Ashley Young look I just I think the way things are financially right now for clubs Ashley Young he might not be on the biggest contract I just don't know if investing any sort of capital into a player that will be 36 by that point is he going to offer you enough to warrant that would you rather go in a different direction I think there's obviously a nostalgic factor that plays a part in this Um, it makes it makes it a much more viable deal in terms of fans being okay with it or not being pleased about it. But I'm not sure if he offers you enough to, to go down that route. Whose place is he taking, you know? What player do you have right now that you, mm. you feel comfortable with him being dropped for Ashley Young even? Even in the championship, that is. I mean, I wonder if maybe he takes Lazar's place. Because Lazar is out of contract, isn't he? Yeah, if he's if he if he does that, that's that's fine. If he's if he, it all depends on the role he's brought in. And I guess if he if he joins if we were in the Premier League or Championship, if he joins us, and he's not kind of looking to be a starter, because I don't think he can. I don't think we can be. I think we can be smarter with who we're starting at this point of of, uh, of the club's kind of development and how we're trying to push on. I think we need to be looking at a model that kind of invests more into into players that have future sell on sell on value. Some of the offers a little bit more kind of value per signing. I think we did a decent job of that when we got promoted the last time. We had a lot of free agency signings we got good value from. Um, but I think Ashley Young is maybe just a maybe the years just don't quite match up for me a couple of years ago, maybe before he we went to Inter. Um, but as time goes on it becomes less and less feasible and and I kind of feel like that value just declines a little bit. But it, it remains to be seen. I mean I'm not sure how interested the club are in really kind of rekindling that, seeing how much has changed since the last time he was there. But there's potential, of course. It seems it's, it seems kind of snobby, doesn't it, to say, "Nah, we don't we don't need an Inter Milan player." Um, but yeah, it, even just the, the suggestion that he maybe comes in to, to sort of fight with Messina to be left back uh, in, in place of Lazar, I just think. Eh. I bet Lazar's a lot cheaper than Ashley Young and obviously maybe not as good but I just think if you're sort of allocating salary to across the squad your backup sort of and I suppose you know he can play left and right so that's quite useful 
but your sort of backup left back probably cannot be taking the kind of money that I suspect Ashley Young would need. He's obviously got a hell of a lot of experience and so on. And the romantic side of me is like, yeah, do it. But I don't know. I just, mm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not over the moon about the prospect of it. It, it does feel like a romantic decision rather than a, a proper footballing decision, doesn't it? And I should say that I'm not bothered, you know, that he scored and celebrated against us one upon a time, once upon a time in the slightest. It's it's purely a sort of business decision that I look at it and just think I don't know how how shrewd um, that that realistically is. But you know, he is very fit and so on. He was playing in the Premier League until you know last January, wasn't he? So um, maybe I'm being a bit maybe I'm being a bit hard on him. But yeah, I just I don't I don't know. And also, I wonder is his best position. Is he that good a fullback, or is his better football being played as a as a kind of wing back? And is that how we're going to be playing going forward? Perhaps not. So I don't know. It just it feels a little bit forced, maybe, and, and unnecessary. I think it's more to me. It'd be more of a. I think the disappointment wouldn't be so much about Ashley Young himself. It'd be more the fact that you feel like you'd you'd rather us be heading in a different direction in terms of recruitment. You want to see some indication that we're we're looking at other options and going back to the old, you know, kind of someone that's been here before, that's fine in some situations. Um, but when it's, you know, we're talking about, I mean, when was he here? Was it 10, 10, 12 years ago at this point? It it kind of feels, more was it more? Maybe, was it? How, I don't even, yeah, I guess it was, wasn't it? But yeah, 2005, yeah. 2006 season must have been, wasn't it? So significantly more, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I don't know. It's not for me personally, but I can see the appeal. Well, there you go. Uh, a little transfer story to whet your appetite uh, of future pods to come. I I I think. Um, okay. Um... I can't get past the thought of Tom's ideal eleven just being like Tom Heaton, Tom Lees, Tom Cleverly. Tom Daddy Bashiri. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom Heaton's a free transfer this summer. That's all I'm saying. That's true. He, was he nearly signed for us once, didn't he? So, exactly. You know, it's perfect. <laughs> Okay, good stuff. My thanks to both Jordan and Tom for joining me today. You can find those guys on Twitter at Jordan Weimer and at TB Burdell. Please also follow us at Watford Pod. And if you haven't done so already, please give us a review on iTunes. Uh, two people that have done that recently, Tim Walklate, who said it's a must listen for any Watford fan. We go through the performances of future fixtures with a fine tooth comb and uh, the international break pod was impressively well-researched and a fascinating listen. Thanks very much, Tim. And uh, another one from Metropolitan Man, who says, uh, enjoying the format of the podcast, the recent ones covering upcoming opponents have been good to keep them coming. Five stars from both of those guys. And uh, thanks very much for, for leaving those reviews. Uh, we've now had, oh goodness, 17 ratings, Jordan. 17 ratings uh, and... I think 16 of those have been five stars, just one four star. So, you know, we, we, we need to up our game in, in some respects. But that's not, that's not bad, is it? Right, four stars, take four stars. I, I, honestly, if there's negative reviews too, I want to hear them, you know. If you don't like the podcast, let us know. Give us the one star. If you don't like it at all and you think it's okay, maybe just give us a two and a half, give us a three. Just be honest and let us know. And also too, if you've got any ideas on what you want to hear or what you, we're not covering, then... Again, let us know on that. But um, yeah, by all means, keep the five stars coming as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you want to, if you want to contact us and tell us how uh, we're foolish for because uh, uh, because we got tricked 
as we said earlier on in the pod so apologies apologies about that yeah tom's actually left at this point he had to shoot just before we kind of got to this section so if you are still listening again if you haven't been able to kind of close the podcast because your hands are otherwise occupied then please feel free to to contact at tv Bidell, <laughs> um, get into his dms let him know kind of how dumb he is for for doing that and i'm sure he won't be listening to this part of the podcast so just in general if you have any any gripes with with what we're doing here or with with tom in particular or just anything in general really just feel free to get in touch with tom and uh and yeah. just let him know actually before we end this if someone's still listening right now you could just message at tv Bidell and just ask for a link to that times page that would also be great i'd like to hear that that happening for tom and he's, he'll have no idea why so maybe we can get tom back for his uh his stupidity there all right great well uh thanks again we'll be back to chat after the reading game uh and there might even be a special uh reading feature pod from jordan coming up as well so uh until then enjoy the rest of your weekend and from jordan tom and myself it's goodbye for now. Thank you.